Hello, and welcome to the Homeschool Sanity Show, your prescription for happier, healthier homeschooling. I'm your host, Dr. Melanie Wilson, Christian psychologist turned homeschooling mother of six. Let's get started. Hey, homeschoolers. Many of the homeschoolers I talk with at great homeschool conventions want to know if Grammar Galaxy is good for independent learning. It absolutely is. A student reading at a strong third grade level or above can read the story and complete the mission with very little teacher assistance. When I heard about friend Dennis Denoya's book on teaching independently responsible learners, I thought that's what he meant. How can we get our kids to do schoolwork on their own? But that's not what he meant. He was talking about how to go beyond independent work to encouraging kids to be responsible for their own learning. Before I share our interview, I want to thank my sponsor for this episode, College Prep Genius. Listen for more information. Do you know how to prepare your children for college? Don't miss the University Path to College, an online summit just for parents. Get the important secret insider information from Jean Burke with more than 17 years experience. You'll receive information about college prep, acing the standardized tests, free college, and more from College Prep Genius. Sign up today or listen to the replays. Go to collegeprepgenius.com PPU. That's collegeprepgenius.com PPU. Now for my interview with Dennis. Before he tells you more about himself, I want to say what a phenomenal teacher and positive, caring person he is. Four of my kids have taken math courses with him and have loved them. I have marveled that he always sounds happy to be teaching. I can't claim the same. He has also been a huge encouragement and help to me as we've exhibited together at great homeschool conventions. Now that I've bragged on him, here's our interview that will help you raise independently responsible learners. Dennis, thank you so much for joining me here on the Homeschool Sanity Show. I am very excited to talk about our topic today. But before we jump in, I would love to have you tell us more about yourself and your family. Absolutely. Well, Dr. Melanie, first, thanks for having me here. I love calling you that, Dr. Melanie. It's been a fun, you know? So, so, you know, for myself, uh, I'm kind of a 30 plus year veteran of education. So I started teaching back in 1988 and I was in the public school system. I was in the school system for about 13 years. Um, and, uh, and then, you know, I was, I, I broke away, ran a tutoring company, went back for a couple of years and then broke away again and started writing curriculum. And what's interesting is that all of that kind of mixed together uh, led me to discovering homeschooling. And I, you know, the, the, I think the biggest thing for me, it was like, you know, as a, as a public school teacher, we, we always, we have ideas and we have these things that we think can work and, you know, but 
in the public school system, well, it's, it's hard to kind of, you know, just be a guy who wants to bring some new ideas and then whether or not somebody's going to listen or not. So I started looking at, you know, where would something that I was doing and something that was my own self-expression, my own creativity, where would someone be interested? And that's actually what led me to homeschooling because it was like, you know, when you, you walk in somewhere and everybody's just got these big open arms and they just want to hug you, you know, and that was my experience. Right. And I, you know, I, I met, uh, I was in Florida at the time and I, I met, uh, met people in the homeschooling um, in some of the co-ops there. And just, it, we just, it was just this immediate, like love at first sight kind of thing. And mm -hmm. so that's kind of how it started to get into homeschooling. And then from there, it was like, my kids were still in public school. And it's like, you know, this is crazy. Let's bring them home. And so we did. So my kids came home when they were eight and 10 and they're now 15 and 17. So we've been at this for a while. Um, we're still, you know, we're still, we're still kind of a, in my world, it's kind of like, we're still like a newbie in this year, <laughs> in some ways, right? Cause especially right. when I, I get to talk to different people and they've been at this for 20 or 30 years. And, but what's really great is that homeschooling has allowed us to travel. So, mm -hmm. you know, we, so we're still, we're based out of Florida. Uh, so, but we spend a lot of time in Spain. Um, I'm, I go back and forth now between Florida and Spain and, um, and even Puerto Rico. So um, we have an office in Puerto Rico, which has been really, really great. But then my son, he's 17 and he dances. And so part of his dancing is to be in, in Spain and he's in Madrid, he's a flamenco dancer and he's amazing. So it's pretty cool. That's a career for him. So we can still homeschool. We still get to do the things we do. And at the same time, we get to have this kind of amazing life. And then my daughter is our linguist, you know, so she, she keeps working on languages. And so she's 15, but she speaks four languages fluently. I mean, it's just, it's just amazing. Right. So just having that kind of that, um, that different, uh, different experience in growing up. Right. So we've mm -hmm. got being able to grow up in the States, we've got being able to grow up in Europe. And then the times that uh, we're in and out of Puerto Rico, it's like, you get this kind of feel for, it's more like that global feel for, for what things look like. Um, yeah, it, that's me. So I, um, my own, my, my own background was, and I, I tell people this and they kind of laugh sometimes because when I first started teaching back in the late eighties, uh, I, I started out in the corporate world and my, my undergrad degree was actually in business. And I went to work for that, you know, the big corporation and I hated it. I was like, what am I doing here? This is awful. <laughs> and I was, a, I was a youth group leader at my, at my local church. And a, a, one of the kids came to me, he was 16. He came to me and he had his algebra one book, right? And he goes, and he just had that look on his face. And I said, what's going on? He goes, oh man, I just don't get this, right? And so we sat down and we worked it out and he looked at me and he said, man, he goes, you explained this better than my teachers did. And I was like, really? <laughs> and it was that was kind of the moment for me that hmm, maybe there's a there's a shift coming in my own world, and that's what happened. And I started to make take all the steps that were needed to get into the school system. And at the time, uh, in Florida, there was a shortage for math teachers, and so they called it a critical they called it a critical shortage area, right? So they were just they were taking anybody <laughs> willing to come in, and here I was, right? So I came in and they said, well, look, you've taken a bunch of math classes already in my business program. Mm -hmm. And they said, here's what we need you to do. So I, I had to take a, a couple of education classes and then promise 
to work in the in the county for three years. And if I did, I'd get my I'd go from a, a temporary teaching certificate to permanent. It was like a no brainer. That's what I want to do anyway. Oh. And yeah, so it's kind of uh, it's kind of amazing how that all happened. And of course, you know, me being a young guy at the time and kind of, you know, happy and woo, let's go. Right. <laughs> You know, they they immediately sent me to the programs where no one wanted to go. So, <laughs> so I, I started my career started in, in, with dropout prevention, and that's really where I got to work. And um, you know, but for me, it was like it was great because what better place to get to work than work with kids who really didn't want to do it, and they didn't want to mm -hmm. be there, and they had so many other things going on in their lives that school was kind of towards the bottom of the list. And if there was a way to to get them excited, just to get them even curious. Yeah, I wouldn't even say interested, but curious, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and then curiosity can move to interest and interest can move to, to bigger things for them. So that that's kind of my my background on how it all came together. And now cool. you can't get me away from homeschooling. I, I love oh. it. And I tell I tell everybody about it now, you know, and it's like yeah. it, it's it's a fun conversation to be in. And and mm. now it's become something that is a conversation, not so much about why you're homeschooling but the conversation is now more about how do we homeschool so it's kind of mm -hmm, been, a, mm -hmm. been a great shift to be around yeah oh that that is just a fascinating story um and you gave me some background that i did not know about you um so wow that i mean it is amazing how we get brought to homeschooling and then i think because we're so diverse we can offer such unique perspectives and as you were suggesting innovation into homeschooling and into education as well i mean there is no way that i would have been a curriculum author for public schools <laughs> i did right. not have the background uh, for that but because i i was a homeschooler I could try something new. So I love that about homeschooling. Well, today we're going to talk about your experience with these dropout students because it led you to understanding a concept called that you're calling creating independently responsible learners. And when I think about independent learners, I tend to think of, okay, Johnny, go and take your math and go work on it by yourself. <laughs> you know, right. get that math done by yourself. But you mean something much different uh, when you talk about that. So can you explain that to us and also give us some background in how you uh, came up with the importance of this? Absolutely. And to me, I always call it the accidental discovery, right? And it was my it was my first year of teaching, so you got to go way back, you know, thirty plus years back. And you know, I had these had these students that were high school students, and the particular program I got sent to, um, it was kind of like their last stop. You know, it was like this was it for them. They had been in other programs. They literally had been taken out of the school they were in and sent to this program. And pretty much they were like, look, this is it, you guys. This is your last stop. It's either finish school or don't finish school. It's not, you know, so they weren't part of the regular classroom anymore. And they were in a special program. And when we, you know, when I got in there, right, I, so I did what any new teacher would do. I was excited. I was like, oh, this is going to be great, <laughs> right? And of course, and here I am doing algebra and geometry and, uh, and so I would give them all the assignments and, and I would get all their work. And, and every weekend I would collect all their work. I would take it home and I would spend all day. I mean, 
Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's kind of funny, but all day grading their papers. And I would, you know, write all the comments on there and show them all the cool things, the smiley faces and sad faces. And, you know, like I did all that stuff, tried different colors and, you know, whatever it looked like to get them interested. Right. <laughs> so, but I had this funny thing happen. I would bring the, and I, and I always used to call it football Sunday was grading paper day. Right. <laughs> so I could kind of watch football, but I was more grading papers and literally it took all day. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and it's like, if you think of a, a public school teacher, it was like, I probably had, I don't know, 150 students that I had, and I went through all their papers, right? Mm -hmm. So I would grade them all, write all the comments, I'd go back to class. <laughs> and it was the same thing week after week, I would mm -hmm. take the papers, hand the papers to the students, and they all did the same thing. It was the funniest thing. They would, uh, they would look down at their paper, they'd look at the grade, they'd look back up at me, and then they look down at their paper and they'd put it away. Mm -hmm. And so they only looked at the front page and, you know, and I was like, you know, and then I thought about that. And I was like, I remember my own college experience and high school experience. I kind of did the same thing. Right. Mm -hmm. It's like, you mm -hmm. know, you write a paper and you're hoping that, you know, that I know the professors are thinking, oh man, I hope they're going to read all the comments. We never did. I didn't do that. Mm -hmm. I'm, now, now I'm duplicating my own experience and I'm watching the kids do the same thing. So, you know, paper comes in their hand, they look at the grade, they look at me, look back at the paper and they put it away. And I was like, wow. Mm -hmm. So this went on for a semester <laughs> from August to all the way to January. The good part was that football was going on then, right? So it was okay. So I had to go watch, watch NFL and see what was happening and, and watch my favorite team, the Tampa Bay Bucks, lose again. Back in those days, they weren't very good. And so, <laughs> but I kind of got, got frustrated. And I was like, you know, this is crazy. They're not, it makes no difference. And so I came up with this idea. It's like, you know what? And it was, kind of in a way out of frustration. I was like, you know what, you guys just check your own work. I, I'm tired of doing this, right? Mm -hmm. So what I did was the, the math books in the school system had, you know, all the odd answers in the back. Hmm. And so I would just assign the odd problems and I would say, okay, well, you check your work. And if you've got questions, come back and let me know. And the students were so funny because they had this funny look like, well, yeah, but we already have the answers. We'll just write them down and tell you we made a hundred. Mm. I said, knock yourselves out. Let's see how that goes for you. And because there's going to be a quiz or a test later this week, and we'll see, mm. see how it goes, right? Mm -hmm. So there were some that that's what they did. And then they got the test back and the test was not a match for their homework that they did. <laughs> right? right. But all of a sudden it was like this opportunity to have a conversation, mm -hmm. you know, and it'd be like, I'd say to them, well, you know, how did you get all these right on the homework? But you didn't, you didn't have kind of clueless on the test. Well, you know, they start to talk about it, right? Mm-hmm. Well, then this weird thing happened. The kids were coming in and they were like, hey, I got this one wrong and I don't know why. Mm. And I thought, oh my gosh, wait a minute. I'm not telling you what was right or wrong. I'm not writing all these steps out. I'm not giving you all the, you know, happy faces, mm. sad faces. They're <laughs> actually coming in and saying, I don't know how to do this. Next thing I know, we're having conversations. And you know, with these kind of students, it was conversations that they weren't typically having, you know, they did it, you know, they're like, they, but it was more for them, it was personal. It's like, well, I didn't get this right. And I don't know why, uh, mm -hmm. as opposed to they would do some work, I'd send it back to them. And they were happy with their, you know, their B or C and that was mm -hmm. enough, right. Mm -hmm. 
So mm -hmm. I always call that the accidental discovery. And I can, I've been doing that for over 30 years now. It's like, I always have students check their own work. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when I talk about being an independently responsible learner, one of the things that we're passionate about as I think everybody in education, whether you're homeschooled or public school, private school, wherever it is that you, that you're in, in the program or the pro uh, the discipline that you use, we all want kids to be self-directed. Mm -hmm. And I started looking at that and I thought, you know, those words have kind of gotten beat up over the years. <laughs> you know, like we've heard it so many times. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I started looking, well, what is it really that I'm looking for? And I came up with the idea of being independently responsible. Hmm. And, you know, you think about being independent and independent is that you get to say you're like, you're free from the control of something like you're going to do it. You're going to, you're it's, it's up to you. Like you get to say what you're going to do, how you're going to do when you're going to do it. Now, what's great is as parents in the background, what are we there to do? Well, we're there to guide and nurture and, and watch and coach really and be able to put in things that are missing because we can see it now because the kids are trying things and they're seeing what's working and not working for themselves. And usually they see what's working. They don't necessarily see what's not working, but that's, then that's what we get to, we get to supplement that. Mm -hmm. So that's the independent piece, but the responsible piece is that when someone's responsible, you're it, it's all on you. There's no one coming and it's up to you that you're going to do it and do it the way it was meant to be done. Mm -hmm. And so when I started really looking at that, it's like, wow, why aren't we training young people in being independent and being responsible, that they're doing the work on their own, that if they've got questions, they're going to come and ask, and that it's up to them, and they're mm -hmm. doing it the way it was meant to be done. And that I just said all that, you know, people are probably going, yeah, but that's not how it works. Well, of course <laughs> not, right? Mm -hmm. Because then that gives us what? that's where we get to look and see what parts of those things are not working and how can we provide guidance and how can we have conversations and how can we look? Okay, so how did that go for you and what worked and what didn't work? And the conversation now for the student, for our kids is personal, you know, and mm -hmm. they're, now they're curious because it's on them and they're like, okay, well, that didn't really work out so well. Mm -hmm. So what can we do? And it's a, I, I think for me, it's a lifelong process, you know, mm -hmm. uh, because we're always looking. And I, I, you know, often wonder, it's like when, as we become adults, we are now responsible. It's all on us. Right. And we're independent. We're on our own. Right. You know, you think about independent living. Right. But yeah, we don't train anybody. We just throw it at you. Right. And, and I think, I think that's a missing for young people. It's like, we don't give them that skill set. We're so used to let's grade their work, tell them what they did wrong and tell them to go back and do a better job. So mm -hmm. <laughs> But that for me, that's independently responsible. It's letting kids actually take ownership in what they're doing and do it on their own and then do what? Then come back and say, did I do it the way it was meant to be done? Here's where I need support. And right. that does take practice. So it doesn't, mm -hmm. doesn't always start out well when you first get started with that. <laughs> yes. And um, you and I visited just a little bit about the fact that when I first started publishing Grammar Galaxy, at the end of every mission, which is like a workbook um, exercise, a set of exercises around a particular topic, the students have the solutions. And my intention was that the student would review the solutions to see how they did and what they did wrong. And I had a number of parents tell me that they didn't want their kids to have 
the solutions right there, um, you know, at the end of their mission, because then they could just copy the answers. And one of the things that I tell parents who are concerned about that is one thing you can tell your student is that the questions are really not so difficult that it will take your student more time <laughs> to be paging back and forth to nice. copy the right answers than it will to just answer the question. But why are you so passionate about having students check their own work? I mean, because as you said, you had students who were doing that. And what would you say to a parent who says, well, my child is just going to keep copying and they're not going to learn anything? Yeah, well, there's a couple of things. And, and, uh, and the first part of it is the easier part. The second part, not so easy. Mm -hmm. When I say easy, easy to hear. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Right? Right. So the first part is if you think of, and, and I discovered this myself when I was a, I was a middle school student. And what I, well, I had this algebra teacher and by the way, full disclosure, I wasn't the best student when I was in middle school, <laughs> high school. So, um, you know, which I think makes me a, a much better teacher because mm -hmm. I kind of know what's going on and, you know, mm -hmm. what to look for, but you know, the, the, this algebra teacher, he always put a solution manual out on his desk and he told us, he said, you can use it anytime you want. And he said, just go in and do it. So we had this test and it, here's, what's funny. I was in eighth grade and I still remember what the test was on. It was on long division of polynomials, right? And most people are like, I don't even know what that is, right? <laughs> but to this day, I remember what happened and I'm taking the test and I'm looking down at it. I have no idea. I mean, really, I'm like, oh my gosh, I, you know, this is going to be so embarrassing and I don't know how to do this. So during the test, I went up to the teacher and I said, hey, can I, can I use the solution manual while I'm doing the test? And the teacher looked at me. And you, you know that look when it's like, oh, yeah, whatever, this isn't going to work out for you at all. Anyway, he said, yeah. sure, go ahead. So I did. And what I was doing was I went in and I found a problem. I found one that looked like that in the solution manual, saw what was happening, figured out how to do it. And I, I made the highest grade in the class on, on that particular test. And I kept doing that. I kept getting better and better at that algebra that year. And it was kind of much to the dismay of the teacher because that was not the outcome <laughs> he intended, right? But it was, it was you know, for me, it was great. And, and I think that when, you know, if you think, think about the aha moments in your life, right? Mm -hmm. Did you have an aha moment because someone graded a piece of paper that you did, handed it back to you and you read the mm -hmm. comments, you're like, oh, or was the aha moment because you literally discovered your own mistake? You know, and I know for me, if I can see something where I made a mistake and I can see what I did and I can get it, well, things start to connect. And all mm -hmm. of a sudden there's things connecting that now that connected, but that connected something else that maybe wasn't in place. And so that's why we have students check their work. So, and, and there's more to it, right? Mm -hmm. uh, young, our young men in the world, and sometimes the young ladies as well, especially when they're 10, 11, 12, 13 years old, they have this thing where they want to do everything in their head and they don't want to show their work. So I, you have, you had one or two like that, right? Yes. And so when you're, when you have a, for me in math, when you have a solution manual and everything's written out step by step, it's, we're also demonstrating how to show your work. And, you know, so you, so not only it's like, you can go step by step and all of a sudden you see that one thing that you did mm -hmm. and you're like, oh my gosh. Oh, 
and that sticks. That's it goes into your long-term memory instead mm-hmm. of the short-term memory. And mm-hmm. that was the, the first piece of it. Right. But now the second part, that's a little bit harder to hear is what about those young people that just want to copy the answers down? So for me, that goes back to about being independently responsible and the responsible piece. Are you doing the work the way it was meant to be done? You know, for me, it's a conversation now. And, and as parents, mm-hmm. we're there to guide our kids. And if they are doing something like that, we get to have that, you know, that integrity conversation. And it's like, okay, well, let's just look. Is this the way the course is meant to be done? Because mm-hmm. I can see that you just copied things down. No, I just copied it down. Okay, well, what can we do differently? It, it opens the doors mm-hmm. to have conversations. And I, I think that those conversations are even more meaningful than being able to do long division of polynomials, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> but if we can get young people to be able to, one, to take ownership, and the second piece is if they are doing that, you know, and here's what's great. If they are copying their work, it's in this in our in our homeschool setting, mm-hmm. right? But we mm-hmm. can catch it because if they're if they're doing it there, there's a good chance that they might do that in other areas of their life. That it would make a you know if we could kind of get it up on the mat where we can have a conversation about it and we can talk to them about well let's just look and let's see what does it look like when you're doing it the way it's meant to be done what does it look like when you're just copying the answers down now kids are they you know we have to give them much more credit than sometimes we do they're sharp and they know the difference mm-hmm. and for them they can now they can start to have a they can talk about it and then they mm-hmm. can say and they're going to see it so mm-hmm. that for me that's might be the long answer to that but it <laughs> makes a huge difference Absolutely. it really does yeah yeah i 100% agree with you and i think we can apply that same philosophy to a number of challenges that we have in homeschooling you know like i've had parents tell me well my child won't listen to me so i'll just have them go to public school well <laughs> Yeah, if your child isn't going to listen to you when it's time to do math, then you're going to have problems even if your child is coming home with homework, right? So right. I loved your uh, take on that. But now I'm hoping that we can get some of your wisdom about how we can encourage our kids to be independently responsible learners. What are some other strategies mm. and approaches that we can take? Well, here's my... So I'm going to use this word and then you're going to notice how many different ways it can be, can be said. And it's the word um, present. But mm-hmm. if you take the word present and you can pronounce it present, mm-hmm. right. As in a presentation. And so one of the things, and we, you know, every week we send out a, we send an email out to the parents and we're like, okay, it's time for that 10 minute conversation. You know, instead of, instead of us going back and saying, okay, well, here's what you did wrong and here's what did work and blah, 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 and you know, doing all of those things. Mm-hmm. If we had the student come back and say, hey, I want you to teach me what you learned this week. You know, so you can take an assignment, you can pick three problems out of 20 or however many there were and just pick spot pick those and say, tell me about this. So now what it does is it does, there's when I use the word present and present at the same time, when someone is teaching someone else, they have to be present to what they're saying. Like they have to be in the moment. They're, you know, it's kind of like if you're, uh, if you're ever, if you're ever presenting in a, a session, if you're teaching a class, or you know, you're just up in front of a group of people talking, or you're just in a conversation, 
you have to be present to your own words. You have to, you have to know what you're saying. And what's funny is that you know when you don't know something. Like it's in, it doesn't, it doesn't take much. And the person listening, they know too. Mm-hmm. So that's the first piece is that it has you be present to your own work. You know, somebody just hands you something back and says, here, uh, this is, you know, this is, this is what happened. This is what you did. This is what you did wrong. Well, you know, what's happening to the person listening to that? Well, they're probably thinking, well, if I just sit here long enough and I say, okay, 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 then I can go play video games, right? Or then I can go outside or then I can go do something I really want to do. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. I get it. I get it. Did they really get it? Or are they just saying they got it this way? They have to be present to themselves and they're now they're listening to their own words and they, they know. Mm-hmm. I think the other part of that then is when they're presenting, you know, it's like, and I, and I, we do this with our, our kids that do our test prep programs. We tell them their number one homework assignment is to go out and teach two other people what you learned this week, take the same problems we just practiced and go teach two other people how to do them. Because it, and it's like, it, I talk to homeschool families so often. And I always ask this question because I hear this from the families mm-hmm. and the, mm-hmm. moms, especially will tell me, they'll say, you know, I never really understood this until I was teaching it, you oh, know, okay. and how many times, have, you know, and you think about how many times you've heard that over the years. So it's like, okay, so let's use that as the evidence is that when you're the person doing the teaching, you're the one that's really doing the learning. Mm-hmm. And so why are we having our our adults do that when it's the young person who we want to be doing the learning. So if you're having that person present their work, that mm-hmm. what's happening is they, same thing, they explain something and something in their explanation triggers something for themselves where they're like, oh my gosh, I, <laughs> I just figured this out, right? right. You know, I mean, it's just kind of a, it's kind of right. a funny experience, but that's really, for me, that's, that's the first thing is about having them present their own work. And so they're grading their own work. They're presenting their work. And now they're, you know, probably a funny way to say that they're pretty much exposed. You know, it's like, Mm -hmm. you know, there's nowhere to hide. If you're the one that is having to bring back everything that you've learned about and talk about what you've learned about, uh, if there's something missing, it's almost, you know, it's that it's kind of like nails on the chalkboard, right? (laughs) You're going to know it. And so are they. Mm -hmm. So. That's probably the, the very first thing is get them where they're presenting their own work, because in that it opens doors to everything else. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I just love that. And, you know, I was thinking as you were talking about how when I've tried to teach someone how to do something, it's usually me trying to help someone with the computer <laughs> because I have a lot of people in my life who cannot figure, you know, computer stuff out. And invariably I will come to something and I'll just say, now, wait, this isn't working. (laughs) Why isn't it working? And then it sends me on a learning adventure to figure out how to make it work. And I can absolutely see how kids could be doing that with math too, as they're trying to teach it. They're saying, now, wait, I didn't, what happened? I didn't get the right answer here. And that is, it's motivating then. And I love your um, encouragement to have our kids teach not just math, right? Because this applies to any area um, that we want our kids to be invested in and to really understand the 
the concepts that have been presented to them in their courses. So my question to you is really on behalf of parents who I think they would ask me this question. So that sounds so great that you have your child teach you the concept, but what if your child just doesn't seem to care? Maybe, you're, maybe you have a child who says, I'm never gonna use this math. I just, I don't even need to know math. I don't care. And it's hard to even get them invested in learning the basics. What right. would you say to a parent like that? Um, well, you know, believe it or not, I, I've been asked that before. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you have. You, you, know, you know what's funny? The number one question in math that, that, you know, almost every student has asked it at some point. And that question is, when am I ever going to use this stuff mm -hmm, as mm -hmm. an adult, right? Mm -hmm. I, it just, it, it happens. And here's, a, here's the most honest answer I can come up with. And the most honest answer I've got is, I don't know. You know, it's like, <laughs> when am I ever going to use this? I have no idea. I, I don't know. Yeah. Because I don't know what you're going to be doing five years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now. So let's start here. What mm. do you love to do? Mm. You know, and they start telling me and you know how it's, it's funny when they say, well, I don't really know what I love to do. And so the next question I ask them is, well, what'd you do today? And they start telling me the things they did during the day. And in that is what they love to do. Mm -hmm. And so the next piece is, okay, well, Let's do some research. Here's your here's your next assignment. Take a look at something you're really interested in, and whether it's video games, it's agriculture, or it's horticulture, or landscaping, or you're going to be an attorney or a doctor, or mm -hmm. work with the ocean. I mean, just think about all the different things, right? We can go on sports, all of it, music and dance. It's all there, and it's like okay, so go and do some research and find out what math do you need to know that is going to apply to what you want to do in your lifetime. And, you know, it's like we, um, in our math courses, we have honors assignments for kids and our honors assignment, I thought about it and I thought, okay, I could come up with some assignment that the kids could do. And we have them do something every chapter in the course about what they could do to consider that their course is honors. And I went to look and see what makes an honors assignment. Yeah. And, you know, and what it is, is it's like, how do you see and this actually is kind of, um, oh, it's one of those like words that kind of gets me. It's like when they say, you know, oh, well, how does it look in the real world? And I always think in the real world, I don't even understand that. It's like, well, if it's in the real world, then what world are we currently living in? If that's, you know, right. It's like, oh, okay. So in your pretend world, right? Yeah. <laughs> or the fake world, but let's get in the real world. But honors assignments are like the application piece and how does this apply out? And so I just say outside of a math class or outside of a school setting. Mm -hmm. And so instead of telling the kids, okay, you're going to work on this assignment, we tell them, go find out where you can find this math concept out in the world beyond a math class. And, mm -hmm. you know, they're not going to go look up something that's not important to them. Mm -hmm. Why would they do that, right? And mm -hmm. they look that up. What they're gonna look for are the things that are important to them. And we get the coolest assignments back from kids where they write about where they can see something and discover something that they hadn't seen before. So mm -hmm. to get back to the question, it's yeah. like, well, what do you do for those kids that say, oh, I don't care, I'm not interested. Just find out what are they interested in? Mm -hmm. And then that's their assignment for the day. Your mm -hmm. assignment is go find out how math shows up in your, in what you love to do. 
Mm -hmm. How does it show up in gaming? Yeah, it's it's interesting to me, like, you know, especially the musicians, right? So I know we got musicians out there, mm -hmm. you know, but if you take a look at uh, trigonometry and you look at, if you've ever looked at, uh, you know, if you've ever gotten, so you're a computer person, right? And if you've ever seen those files that come in and it says dot .wav, you know, the wave, yes. right? Mm -hmm. So a wave file is using the sine curve from trigonometry, right? And it shows the modulation in your pitch. It, it talks about like the highs and lows of when you're speaking and it shows when you're flat and when you're sharp and when you're right on pitch. And you start looking there just for music. It's like trigonometry shows mm -hmm. up in there. Hmm. And if you're into music and you're counting, well, let's see, you're gonna count beats, right? And you're in three, four time or in six, four time. It's, I'm a musician, so I know a little, little bit about music, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But for me, what was really great about about math and music was that I had to be able to count quarter notes, eighth notes, 16th mm -hmm. notes, 32nd notes. And all of a sudden I started noticing, oh, wait a minute, this is just each time it's half of the half of the half. And so I could start looking at, well, how do those things go together? Oh, if I have 16th notes, I need 16 of them to make a beat. And <laughs> so all of a sudden it's like, hmm, I wonder, uh, maybe, this, maybe this math thing has something to do with it. But I think for, I think for parents, it's like, you know, we, we get stuck because kids come back and they say, well, I, I'm never going to use this or I'm not interested. Well, let's find out what they are interested in. You know, and that's a great question to go back. Well, what is it you are interested in? You're not, you don't love this. Okay. Well, what do you love? Mm -hmm. And if you start there and you start digging, there's math, you know, and there's some, now is there, is everything in math going to show up everywhere out in that life? No, it's not going to happen. Uh, mm -hmm. So that's the other thing. And sometimes we have to be able to be willing to tell the truth about that. It's like, mm -hmm. you're probably mm -hmm. not going to use all of this, but what could it lead to? And what could you discover? And just think about what happens when you, when you find out what you got wrong in a problem that you may never use in your lifetime, <laughs> but what was it that you were able to figure out for yourself that you could use? Mm -hmm. And those are some, those are the first steps in that. But I think a lot of it is just being in communication, being in conversation and really finding out what is it that kids love to do and how do you apply what they love to do to what they're learning about in their math class or whatever class that they're working in. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And um, I was thinking as you were talking about that as a Christian, I believe that God takes all of our experiences to create a path forward, you know, to uh, prepare us for the good works that he has for us to do. And I was able to use just about everything in my past experience from learning digital scrapbooking, for example. Uh, I learned how to do that and that enabled me to create a book cover and format my book, for example. And I never would have thought that, that that learning that I did in digital scrapbooking would have helped me in my future career. And so I think we can share with our kids too that right now you don't know how this knowledge might figure into your future, um, but um, it very, mel very well may figure into your future. Absolutely. Yeah, it's kind of like, it's not... God, God's not accidental. No, <laughs> it's, no. you know, it's on purpose. Right. You know, I, I look at myself, right. 
Mm -hmm. when you if I was when I was my 16 year old self, mm -hmm. and you said to me, Hey, you know what you're going to be doing when you're 30 and 40 and 50 years old, I would have just laughed like, I know, yeah, uh, no, that's not a, that is absolutely <laughs> not what I'm going to be doing. No, I'm not going to be doing math. I'm not gonna No, that's just that's not in my future. Right? Well, guess what? No accident. <laughs> Here it is. And yeah, the plan was laid out. And I'm following the plan, you know, right? So, you know, right. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, uh, Dennis, you have written a book that explains in more depth your philosophy of creating independently responsible learners, and it's fantastic. And I love some of the strategies that you used with your students when you were teaching in public school, and you talk about that, and you give a lot more ideas and inspiration and motivation for parents to begin this process of shifting the responsibility from yourself uh, for your child's learning to your student. So I would love for our listeners to be able to get a copy of that. Can you tell us the best place that they can go to find a copy and also how they can connect with you with your fantastic math courses that you offer and all the other things that you're doing, especially your podcast as well. You have a podcast also. Yeah, well, yeah, there's a whole bunch of stuff, right? Yes. So, uh, yeah, it's, kind of, it's kind of fun. So first, way, the easiest way to reach reach us or reach me or reach our staff is mrdmath.com. So you can go on there as a contact form, email us, that's the best way to get to us. And then um, we'll, we'll get back in touch. Um, and what typically happens is depending on how the email comes in is I have a person that will, uh, that will read the email and they filter where it needs to go. So if it needs to come to me, it gets to me and I'll get it that day. So as uh, so you don't have to worry about it's going to get lost in the shuffle. It, it really will find its way. Um, the second thing is podcasts that we, that, um, I started, uh, this year. So it's about six months old and uh, Dr. Melanie got to be a guest on there. We just, we've had some of the coolest people come on and get to talk about their adventures in homeschooling and ideas and best practices. And it's called A Plus Parents. And so that's aplusparents.com. And then lastly, um, we just released the book. It's uh, It's been on Amazon now for, I want to say um, about a week. I mean, it's like that new. Uh, and so uh, if you just, uh, it's called Teach. And so if you, now what, here was what we found because it's so new on Amazon. Apparently there's another guy, my last name is Denoya. Apparently there's another guy named Denosa. So that I got exchanged with a S. But I think that actually means dinosaur. So I'm not sure. So uh, it's kind of funny. But if you put teach and then uh, just the word teach, that's the name of the book, teach, and then buy Dennis Denoya, it, you'll find it on Amazon. And there is a Kindle version. There is an audible version. And then there's the, the hardcover version as well. And oh. yeah, and I, I think that, um, you know, when the, and one thing I'll, I'll say about the book is mm -hmm. that you know, the book was not written so that you're going to take everything in there and apply it all, mm -hmm. right? Which would be silly to assume that, right? So the book was written with the idea that what if you found one thing, just mm -hmm. one thing in there that actually altered and, you know, really kind of shifted, paradigm shifted what you were doing as a homeschooling family. You just had that one little idea that was the thing that made the difference. And so I kind of call it, the book is like, kind of like you're, you're like, you're kind of mining for nuggets, right? You're just looking for where's that one little nugget. Uh, and the book's only 130 pages. So you're not going to be reading for like, you know, like months and, you know, uh, 
you'll find what you're looking for there. So when you're going into something like that, you know, think about well, what's going on in your own life right now and what's important to you and where do you want to make a difference for your for yourself and for your family. And it'll be something in there. So that's, you know, that's what I would, would say for people that are going to read it is, you know, be on the lookout for that one thing that'll make a difference. And if you want to have two things or three things, have at it, knock yourself out. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I found it very rich in inspiration and information. And I will put a link in the show notes for this episode so people can go directly to it and they don't have to. Uh, find the Dennis Dinosaur Guy on, on Amazon. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> well, Dennis, this was wonderful. I absolutely want to have you back as a guest because we can talk about math and students who really struggle with algebra, for example. I think that is a common problem with homeschoolers, and I would love to have you uh, join me again in the future. But thank you so much for your time today. Absolutely. And I look forward to doing this again. That'll be awesome. All right. Thanks again. Thank you. To find a link to Dennis's book, Teach, to his math courses, and to this week's sponsor, go to homeschoolsanity.com slash responsible learner. Have a happy homeschool week. Thank you for joining me. Happy, healthy homeschooling can be yours. It begins with one small step. Let's continue the conversation on social media. I'm at Psycho with Six. This has been a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network.